are you able to bet when you feel like it? Because I tell you what happened. A couple of years ago, we did one, and the fields came out on Wednesday, but we weren't allowed to bet till one o'clock on the Tuesday. And horses, I was tipping people at two dollars. Get on, put your life on this for a dollar thirty-five, and you can't back them. And people said, Mate. "Well, why don't you still back them?" So what we found is that if you, unless you can bet early and get the best odds, because obviously all my tips are out there in every public domain days in advance, I found that there was nothing left to back because all the odds were gone. Uh, I'm pretty sure I could even have a bet now in the futures. But Nick, Nick well, you know, you know and you Cam... Do, you know what you should do? You should have a bet now. Well, don't tell me on here. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've got, honestly, I've got, I've got one for cut week, which is the cut week lock, and it's just a done deal. Okay. Good horse, actually. That. There's a few done deals going around in Victoria this week. Um, I, I don't think this man trains one. Well, he might have one somewhere in a paddock somewhere. He's got plenty of horses, plenty of land. Alan Sharrick's joining us now across the ditch in Australia because he's got a Melbourne Cup hopeful. And it's pretty exciting times to be able to say that. It's all come to fruition now. How, how are you going? How is Victoria treating you? Uh, just got here. We're just going to a gluten-free bakery, me and Emma, just to get a croissant before we go and get ready for the races. Yeah. Are you celiac? Hey, no. No, I'd rather go to a normal one, but that's all that's open. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I was thinking of, of, of all the trainers that I think would be going to a gluten-free bakery. I just wouldn't have had you in the, the top 100. The only one but... open, Louis. It's the only one open, so I'll bear it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it um, must be pretty cool, though, to be involved. So today, obviously, we've got the... Uh, the Lexus Archer Stakes, it's Group 3, ladies' man, a wait-for-age Group 1 winner here in New Zealand now. He's across the ditch. I mean, for all intents and purposes, as Mick explained, he's pretty much in the Melbourne Cup, but you're racing him today, then backing him up on Tuesday. And to, to people that don't follow along weekly and, and know the strategies to that stuff, this that might sound a little bit interesting, Alan. So can you just explain the whole setup for us? Oh, a couple of things, mate. He's, he can be a little bit strong in his races. He is a Z, the phenomenally tough horses and I think the run today will just top him off nicely for the cup on Tuesday so I don't see a problem with it and there was a master trainer years ago who used to do it quite often if you follow Bart Cummings he won quite a few cups Louis so um, I don't mm. see it as a problem mate I think it'll actually help my horse. <coughs> hey, good morning Al mate um, looking forward to a big week for you and, and all the team involved um, are you going into today's Archer thinking you're in the Melbourne Cup, because I think you are, because it would need a miracle for you not to be in it, or are you going in thinking we still need to win? And you know why I'm asking, because obviously this show is a punting show. Uh, first option, probably, Mick. Yeah. But, okay, um, okay, so you would see yeah, him ba- balancing up battle and hitting the line strong more so than saying to your jockey, we need to win this? Yeah. I think so, mate. But um, in saying that, it's three hundred grand, Mick. Uh, there's only seven runners. Uh, he won't. He won't have to do much in the run. He'll drop back probably in the last two or three. And like you say, it's nearly a six hundred metre straight. So we'll see how strong we are late. Would you have um, paid longer work into him in the last couple of weeks? I know he would have had an easy time around the flight. Than say when you probably kept his legs a bit fresher for a two thousand weight for age last time. Are, are you being uh, more down yeah, now well, in this training? I, I, I probably I said to Emma, if they dawdle and sprint home, he'll probably have as good a sprint as any of them because he's come off a two thousand meter weight for age race. Whereas 
after the day, he'll become slightly more dour for the two-mile race Tuesday. So, yeah, that's how I'm sort of feeling going into the day, Mick, to be honest. He looks super. He's eaten everything. Licked the bowl last night. He hasn't left an oat since he's been here. And from all accounts I've seen on videos, two uh, gallops have been outstanding at Mornington. So, um, yeah, we're going into it pretty positive. What about Tuesday? Because you're, to a degree, without being dramatic, carrying the hopes of a nation. People would love to see a New Zealand-trained Melbourne Cup winner, but you're the only one who can do it. So are you going there thinking you could actually win this? Or are you going there because you're a very pragmatic person thinking if we finish top 12 and we get our 120 or 140K, we'll be happy. 160, mate. 160. <laughs> I, I, knew you, I, I knew you might know. He's a farmer. Are you going there thinking if he gets round safe, we'll be happy? I'm actually thinking I'm better than a rough chance. Depending on today's run, I, you know, I just think he... At 50 kilos, Mickey's never carried that weight in his life. He will get the two miles. We all know that. He's been unlucky twice at two miles. One, the track conditions uh, shot him down, and the other one, he probably got too far back. And, you know, Grillsy would admit that to you as well. So, um, yeah, he's going to run the two miles out, mate. With 50 kilos on his back, he's probably in it. Right up to his teeth, I would think. Well, it wouldn't be unlike a... a well, it wouldn't be unlike Zed to sire a Melbourne Cup winner as well. So, it's... It's interesting. It, it's going to give us, because I think back to the Melbourne Cups of late, Alan, and we mix right, like not being dramatic, but come Tuesday morning, we will all want a New Zealand horse to be able to scream home. And you're telling us he's probably more than a rough chance. So it's starting to make me feel very excited and even a little bit proud. Who, who's in the ownership group? Talk to, talk to us about this uh, crew of people involved and specifically their history with racing, because I've had a bit of luck. Yeah, well, the O'Leary's, as you well know, had who shot the barman, and we've got Fiona and Humphrey and one of the brothers, um, and we coincided with the Stanleys, who I've had a great run with, and we picked him out at the sales and paid 60 grand for him. I thought he was as a Beal, not a Z. Um, and, and the two parties came together, and me and Emma stayed in for 10%. So, yeah, we've had a good ride up till now. He's only had 22 starts or whatever, and he's won half a million. So he's a tidy horse. He'll only get better with time, boys. Have um is it is it like on your is it something that you've you know really excites you having a Melbourne Cup horse is it is it like because you've done trying, a lot I'm, yeah well I'm I've been in it forty five years Louis I'm trying to play it down but it's probably quite emotional on the day it's it's the pinnacle for a lot of trainers yeah. and you know I'm getting texts from Peter Williams and Jimmy Wallace and fellas I've respected for years my peers you know wishing me luck which is a little bit left field because I don't hear from those boys very often until I go to the races. So, yeah, it's it's a weird situation, I feel. Yeah, it is. Is it going to be interesting, Al? I'm, I'm not sure if you've been in this situation before, but when you go into the front parade ring at the Melbourne Cup, you can actually palpably feel the energy behind you. There's so many people there, and I'm not making this up, you can feel it. There's a lot of people, and they're all staring in the same direction, and you'll be standing there next to Aidan and Joseph and all those sort of people. Is that something which you're like, wow, this is going to be quite cool? Or being a pragmatic farming boy from the NACI, you're like, oh, well, we'll handle it. I, uh, I'll put it to you this way, Mick. There was a fellow called Greg Rowe. He's a good footballer and uh, came from Whitecher and uh, they were playing Auckland and someone walked up to him on the street and they said, do you know you're marking John Kerwin? His answer to him was, does he know he's marking Greg Rowe? 
So <laughs> all I'm saying, boys, we're all people, and it doesn't matter what your title is, you're all out there to do a job, aren't you? But, uh, Mate, oh, great, love, great love answer. Oh, hey, man, let's be honest, mate. You got a horse. We think in the big dance. I'd love to see you win today. So, and I'll make this as simple as possible for you. For our listeners, should they back Ladies Man today? He'll be at his best on Tuesday. Put it that way. You know what I mean. Um, but but it wouldn't surprise me if he got up today either, boys. He's going. Well, he's. And here's the thing, he's paying $2.10 to run a place in a horse of seven where he's better than at least half the field. So, you know, for today's run. So, I mean, he's definitely an each way way bet in my mind or a place bet for a little bit more on the place. Hey, Alan, it could be a big November for you as well, mate, because the ready-to-runs run, are coming up. And um, you've, you've <laughs> yeah, I guess something that people probably don't know about you is you actually breed a few horses as well as train them, right? Yeah, I've been lucky, Louie. I've sort of created some Group 1 sort of mares and, and black-type mares, and me and Emma are breeding from them, so we've had a good run with them, yeah. So, Al, I know this is a – I think it's a 50-50 deal or one of those deals where the stud has a mare and you guys go and do it together, but did you – are you actually the official breeder of Lucky Swayness? Because I know you're involved in the dam of Lucky Swayness. Yeah, well, me and Luigi Mello owner half each, and I've got – and a lifetime friend, Paul Dombrowski, I gifted him 10% in the mayor, uh, Madonna mayor. So we officially read Lucky Swain S, who's been a, a freak to say anything in Hong Kong. And we've got a half-brother going to the region runs. He's an outstanding cult. He's a really, really nice horse. So, uh, yeah, we're hoping to get a bit of money for him in November. OK, so he'll be going through Woburn Farm. I take it Adrian Stanley's draft. How do you value a horse like him? Because if he breezed well, I, I must have, but I haven't seen his breeze. If he breezed well, clearly there's going to be interest from in Hong Kong. Yeah, there will be. There's a lot of interest in him anyway, Mick. He breezed up in 10.4. He can really gallop. Um, and he's quite a physical specimen by contributor who doesn't do a bad job. Um, and everything to me, she's sort of a blue hen. I think the other bowl out of her was the Swainess Philly to Lucky Swainess, I trained her here. Went to Chris Wallers and ran third in the Queensland Oaks, so she's left Lucky Swainess. Her, she won four and then broke down. She's got a Wooten Bassett filly for Luigi, so the family's pretty hot at the moment. So uh, it all goes well for us, put it that way. How, mm. how do you value a horse like that? Do, at some stage, do you sit down? Because when you go to the sale, obviously you need to have a number in your head. Do you say this is the number? Because if, say, someone offers you 300k and you decide it's worth more than that, then you have to turn down 300k to take it home. So how do you value a yeah. horse like that? Yeah, well, he won't be being sold for 300. I gave the other bugger away for 90, mate. Yes, so I remember. I, I remember. Yeah, and I've had a couple of mates who've watched Lucky Swainess and they turned to me and say, you own that, why'd you sell it? Well, at that <laughs> stage, Swainess was a new sire and I liked the horse, but it was about making a dollar, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, this horse will bring considerably more than Lucky Swainess and I won't be letting him go for a fair amount of money, mate. I really like him. Yeah. Yeah. Well... Look, November could be relatively profitable for you, Alan, but I just don't want that to mean that you're going to 
put the cue in the rack because I love talking to you and I love backing your horses, mate. So you've still got a lot to give. And um, I, I think it's awesome. And you've been a bit of a character for us at SCNZ with your ties with Kempi and stuff as well. So I think a lot of people will feel very happy for you, mate. And that I hope you do get a little bit emotional and you enjoy it because it's, it's bloody cool. So good on you and good on the team and Emma and, and all the best. And we'll probably touch base again before the big race on Tuesday. Thanks, boys. Thank you. There you go. It's a big deal. Look, it used to be a thing where people would occasionally have a chance of going to a Melbourne Cup, and and quite a few New Zealand trainers have done it. But these days, Louis, 12 of them are probably European-trained horses or straight off the plane from Europe, and they've had their one start before they go to Kieran or Chris. It's so hard to get a horse in the Melbourne Cup now. It's such an incredibly difficult thing to do. That and, and and then to have them there in form, which this horse is going to be, I think it's wonderful. And, and uh, look, t- as someone who's the racing editor for the Herald, the the bosses at the Herald will ask me on Monday, "Oh, are there any New Zealand horses in the race?" And it's it's actually good to be able to say yes, and a, and a good story as well. <laughs> just no no different to TV One or TV Three. You know those yeah. big chunky networks or those big platforms, they yeah. want a New Zealand horse, whether it can win or not. Um, and the fact that this isn't an impossible chance of winning, it all helps. So, yeah, I wish them all the best of luck. There's some good people involved with the horse. And, God, if it could finish top eight, that would be a pretty big deal. So, um, yeah, the Taranaki has a very proud record in the Melbourne Cup. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of people who, who down there who are enormously proud to see another one of their horses almost certainly in it. Of course, a bridge to cross today yet. And And, you know, Mick, like... Alan, you know this, I know this. I think people listening to this show will know this because, as I said, he's been a bit of a character for us. Like, we've spoken to him a lot over the last wee while because he's had good horses. Like, he's a serious person and he's a serious horse trainer. So when he says it's probably more than a rough chance, you do take that seriously. And, yes, you can look at the form and you look at a horse and you said you quipped before you saw the Melbourne Cup winner uh, at Ascot. And I think a lot of people believe that. I certainly do. Vauban looks like he's something from a... Well, wow, what you would des- if you got asked to draw or imagine a Melbourne Cup winner, it kind of looks like Vauban. So I understand that, but I just think that we can really take Alan seriously here with this horse. And yeah, winning is winning, but running, as you say, top eight, top five, well, running top four. Alan's a pragmatist, and he's not a pickle, so he's not over there so he can wear a new suit. He's not rah rah. No, exactly. So they're taking the horse because they think they've got a chance of finishing top ten, and anything after that's a bonus. And that's why he knows it's 160 grand to finish top 12 because after you, that means you've made money. Let's be honest, if you went to the New Zealand Cup, that's about what he'd get for winning. So, so it's like going to the New Zealand Cup to finish top 12 and, and that, that's that's where it starts. But, but again, the Melbourne Cup's the Melbourne Cup. Getting around safely in one, one piece, most yeah. of the people with these horses, because they're horses you know so well, they love them. So yes, getting around in one piece uh, at a hard two miles is the most important thing. Pretty much anything after that's a bonus. It, it is one of the strangest places I've been, Louis. Look, as you know, I've been to a lot of World Cup finals. I do a lot of MC work for the All Blacks. I've, I've done the Warriors. I've done the cricket. So I'm used to big events. But there's no other event I've been to um, where you had the same feeling of energy behind you. Because when you walk into the parade ring at Melbourne Cup, see, when you go to a rugby game, people are facing in two different directions because it's it's in a cylinder. So obviously people are facing each other. And when you're in the middle of the pitch, you don't get that same vibe. When you go to the Melbourne Cup, when you walk out of the of the, the grandstand to the front parade ring, 
everybody's looking at the same thing. Everybody's looking at about a 30-metre piece of concrete with the horses on it. The first time I did it, I was like, what the hell is that behind, behind me? And I'm not being ethereal, but you can feel the energy because so many people are directly behind you. The grandstand is so big. And you can feel everybody looking at the same thing. And that hubbub, that humming noise, it actually gets into your body because there's, it's so many people there. And I turned around, I was like, holy. And it's a very strange place to be. And you can see here it's quite intimidating for jockeys who haven't done it. Um, obviously for owners, but they don't really matter too much in the scheme of the, how the horse performs. But even for some of the horses, and it's um, it is a truly unique event. And then, unlike a rugby game or a cricket game, it's all over in about three minutes. So there's obviously the race, and there's a, maybe a ten minute build up. But all throughout the Melbourne Cup, it's like you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting, and then it's over, and people are like, huh. Oh. <laughs> it's it's yeah. a it's a it's a very surreal experience going to the Melbourne Cup if you've never been to it before and if you end up in the middle of it because everybody's looking at the same thing and it's very rare you go anywhere in life where a hundred thousand people are staring at the same thing. Uh, well explained, Mick. It's very exciting and it'll come around Tuesday and we will all be buzzing. Right, okay, a bit of homework here. So loveracing.nz is your home for thoroughbred racing. So when we talk about Cup Week, uh, next week, the Grand Tour. So Dave got Dave Dobbin playing after the races here at Rickenham, which will be very exciting for a lot of people. Um, tab.co.nz is where you go to get into our punters club. I just had a message from Nick at the tab who is doing a fantastic job supporting us. We've just ticked over 32k, which is great. So I, I hope we are on track and it looks like we are on t- track for that 50k. That would be a, a nice little marker to let us unleash for the week. Um, the track conditions here in New Zealand, well, we've got a couple of heavy tracks. Hopefully, Todong is not that bad. Marsh, she said it was heating up. PGG Rights and Turf is key suppliers to New Zealand racecourses, uh, premium suppliers of turf seed and maintenance products to racecourses right across the country. And it's Derby Day, so we should probably chat about the Derby at some stage. We'll do that after this. You're listening to The Mail Run. It's Louis and Mick.